Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Bethak podcast. I'm your host DD and joining me today once again is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we'll be talking about the Mexico City GP. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready opinions and dive right into the conversation. Hello Vedant, what a weekend in my opinion like. But, you know, tell me how, how what did you think about the race because I thought it was actually very entertaining for me but most people said that it was a, it was a snooze fest um what what were you what are your views on on the race this weekend I mean see it's uh, you are very right like it was a very entertaining race I was watching it from what 2:30 uh, sorry 12:30 a.m. till 2:30 a.m. right and I did not fall asleep or fall sleepy at any given moment but then again the with the lead max verstappen had it seemed like a you know given race like okay he is going to win it but there was so much going on behind the scenes behind so much going on behind max verstappen that it was as entertaining as any decent formula 1 race can be exactly i mean yeah i'll i'll give it to the viewers that you know there wasn't a lot of on track action especially after the first few laps but overall there was a lot lot going on in the race you know there was a lot of battles that were evolving um yes you know uh, out in front max had the win from you know after turn 1 and we'll talk about that talk about that in a little bit but uh, you know the race between sergio perez and lewis hamilton evolved throughout the race that was brilliant uh, there was that a lot was going racing. on between yes There's a lot going on between the two Ferraris. Uh, Sebastian Vettel making his way through. There's a lot happening in the midfield with Lando Norris, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, you know, uh, making their way through the back of the field. And uh, yeah, there's just like so much that was happening, and I felt like, uh, and it usually happens. You know, I get I get really excited about strategy and uh, everything that's happening behind the scenes. That I almost end up looking at the timing screen for longer than I'm actually looking at. you know uh, the on track action that is being displayed um, on the tv screens but regardless you know max after this race max verstappen extended his lead by another 7 points to 19 points over lewis hamilton sergio perez is only 20 points behind valtteri bottas uh, who is third in the driver standings currently and red bull is only one point behind mercedes in the constructors championship with only four rounds to go um, and with only four rounds to go we might have just three rounds uh, you know the way as uh, uh, saudi arabia is <laughs> <laughs> coming up but uh, you know yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that later but i think the biggest takeaway from this weekend was the love for perez in mexico you know we always talk about the tifosi in italy uh, you know uh, the people in red who come out in monza uh, we always talk about the british fans at silverstone but what a crowd in mexico uh, you have to give it to them you know they are just as you know as good as any other crowd anywhere else in the world and how much love was there for you know perez and just his you know his entire family there and the happiness on uh, you know Perez's dad's face uh, that was just priceless this weekend and uh, the post race celebrations were just insane in my opinion uh, what did you think about that yeah absolutely i mean checo's dad was probably happier than max verstappen will be when he wins the championship right but that was i mean that was so heartwarming to see we don't see many uh, like the parents or the families of many drivers and especially you know the, for them to show like be involved with the team and show emotion basically and celebrate with the team right so this was pretty brilliant and for sergio perez to like we don't see many mexican drivers but the mexican grand prix is an iconic race in the in the calendar so for sergio perez to finally get that podium and for the fans to finally get that you know 
that kick and that excitement it was brilliant and especially you know uh, the mexican gp the podium in mexico city is so special because it's in that uh, baseball stadium sort of thing and that it just creates a huge atmosphere and that was that was just brilliant as you said absolutely you're absolutely right and i think the last time uh, you know we saw a family or you know any family single family member show so much emotion was back when um Felipe Massa Felipe Massa won the uh World Drivers Championship for uh less, for a less than a yeah. minute and then yeah. and then lost it uh that was the yeah. last time we saw so much emotion on any family Absolutely. member's uh face but you know I'm pretty sure when uh, Sergio Perez said now time for some tequila at the uh you know when he was standing on his car I'm pretty sure he was speaking for each and every uh Mexican F1 fan uh who yeah. was there <laughs> or watching or who was you know who was watching that fun race this weekend But yeah, let's 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 get into the uh, nitty gritty now. Let's talk about let's analyze some of the performance from this weekend. Um, let's talk about Mercedes. What a qualifying masterclass from Mercedes! Uh, no one saw that coming. You know they didn't have great practice sessions. They were about uh, four tenths behind the nearest uh, Red Bull. But what a qualifying masterclass! You have to give it to Valtteri Bottas. Ever since he's announced his move to Alfa Romeo, he's been on fire. But um, that man. that man just can't catch a break any uh but let's talk about the lap 1 turn 1 incident and um and the fact that uh in my opinion mercedes bet their success on this weekend on one lap pace and track position you know the fact that uh it seemed like mercedes had uh set up their car for qualifying and you know they were lacking race pace so much compared to the red bulls uh went to show that you know mercedes thought that track position will be absolutely essential to win the race and i think that is all that is what caused uh the lap 1 turn 1 incident where valtteri bottas almost you know uh he, he didn't squeeze first of all max verstappen enough uh towards the outside of the track uh, you know to make it difficult for him to go around the outside and secondly i think uh he slowed down a little bit too much to give uh lewis hamilton um um you know the first position going into turn 1 or uh, a better line going into turn 1 uh, if you want to put it that way and i think that is what caused the turn lap 1 turn 1 incident and i feel that if valtteri bottas had you know put his foot in and went through the turn maybe they would they would have been three wide through turns 1 and 2 but that might have ended better for mercedes um, at the end of the day and you know whatever strategy that mercedes put uh regarding that turn one how they were going to approach turn one is what backfired uh and led to you know them losing position to a scintillating move by Max Verstappen you know just so late on the brakes and just making it through the corner um at at an insane pace but what are your thoughts on uh how, the way you know uh the lap one turn one incident unfolded i mean definitely as you said had valtteri bottas you know uh, put his foot in and just went for the for the corner and not given max any space even if max had attempted the overtake firstly valtteri would have avoided uh, being hit by dalder ricardo right and secondly max would have been squeezed in in turn 2 and you know uh, pushed off the track so that would have been a major win for mercedes but i mean it's it's interesting to me because we talk about the first corner being so late and the you know this the starting straight being so long in russia I did not see a single comment anywhere which talked about that you know the Mexican uh, first corner is so far away and the and the slipstream effect can uh, cause you know major major overtakes but I think I mean I was anticipating it and I knew if Max Verstappen got even a decent start even a start equal to 
Valtteri Bottas, he will make that overtake, and that's just what happened. I mean, Max Verstappen actually did not have a better start than uh, either of the two Mercedes. I think there was a, a, a you know real-time comparison shown uh, between the starts of Valtteri Bottas, Lewis Hamilton, and uh, uh, Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen, yeah, Max uh, was slowest. Yeah, his his reaction time was like three or four hundred slower than that of the two Mercedes driver. But obviously, the toe effect was just um, you know uh, uh, a, a little bit too much for the two Mercedes. Uh, to be able to keep the Red Bull behind, you know. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I think, you know, Valtteri Bottas and uh, the way he approached turn one um, is almost... Obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that Max Verstappen did not have a role in, uh, role in how uh, he took the lead from the two Mercedes, you know, going into turn one. Obviously, he had to be ballsy and he, he had to have the courage to, you know, put his car through that turn one at, at such a speed. But I think Valtteri Bottas could have done much, much more. Uh, and, you know, even... Even he could have even avoided the collision with um, Daniel Ricciardo. Yes, obviously Daniel Ricciardo, you know, logged up and uh, you know he 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 didn't stop his car uh, as soon as he could uh, because of the lockup. But I think you know uh, uh, it also plays a role because a lot of people came out and said that you know Daniel Ricciardo should have been penalized, and um, they they didn't agree with the FIA that it was a racing incident. But in my eyes, it was just a racing incident because lockups happen going to turn one. You know, especially lap one, the brakes are pretty cold, and we saw you know, how long the cars were sitting on the grid, especially the top six, top seven cars, how long they were sitting on the grid after the formation lap before the start. So uh, I'm not I'm not really surprised there. Uh, and I don't really agree with anyone uh, who says that Daniel Ricciardo should have been penalized. But yeah, obviously, you know, uh, very, very disheartening for Valtteri Bottas. And throughout the race, he just couldn't catch a break. And what is it with that McLaren, you know? It's, it's almost like the McLaren aero is optimized to uh, mess up the Mercedes <laughs> Aero, uh, every time they're behind uh, behind the McLaren cars. Valtteri Bottas just couldn't find, uh, you know, a way uh, past Daniel Ricciardo for the entirety of the race after having been tagged by Daniel Ricciardo in the first place. <laughs> so, a uh, very frustrating weekend for Valtteri Bottas in that particular um, uh, fashion. Uh, and then, you know, Valtteri was spirited twice at the end of the race just so that he could uh, get that fastest lap point off of Max Verstappen. Uh, so, he... Uh, I think Mercedes spared him the first time and then, um, you know, Valtteri, Valtteri couldn't get the fastest lap and there was some games going on between Max and Valtteri. Max was trying to keep Valtteri from posting his fastest lap or something like that. And then that could have been dangerous for Max, but uh, thankfully, you know, uh, both of them um, uh, raced respectfully, you know, uh, on track and, and nothing nothing happened. But uh, it was kind of sketchy when Max was playing those games with, uh, with Valtteri and I think uh, Christian Horner was not happy about it when he came on the radio and Max's uh, race engineer was a bit bit worried too, but um, yeah, what's ha- what's happening with Valtteri Bottas? You know, he's been uh, he's been pretty good. Put it on pole, and uh, we uh, you know we thought that Valtteri Bottas might just keep Mercedes ahead in the constructors' championship, but now they're as close as they've ever been to Red Bull in the constructors. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, over the years, you know, we have just come to realize that. I mean, I don't want to call him that, but Valtteri Bottas is sort of an enigma right now because he he performs super well at at places, right, in that Mercedes, and then he has his slumps and he has his moments. So, I mean, it's I don't know what it is, but next year, hopefully, in Alfa Romeo, he'll have a fresh start. He'll have a you know a different role, a leadership role, and a completely different environment so hopefully he can get get his batteries recharged as we talked about earlier 
um absolutely um but now let's talk about red bull um a seamless sunday for rbr you know after rocky qualifying it was a seamless sunday for red bull racing checo becoming the first mexican to be on the podium in his home race but the big question is did red bull squander a potential one two now vedant you know i was on the I was on WhatsApp with you and the entire time I was like Checo needs to undercut Lewis Hamilton in order to get that P2 and uh I was just I was basically you know uh, sh- uh you know the texting equivalent of shouting the same thing over <laughs> and over again uh for the for the entirety of the first half of the race and you know when uh when Checo didn't un- didn't undercut Lewis Hamilton I know it would have been it would be you know really really difficult um for uh, Checo regardless of you know whatever tire strategy offset they do uh, towards the end of the race it would have been really difficult for Checo to overtake Lewis Hamilton just because of that third sector um you know uh at at the Mexico City uh at the you know at the race track which makes it so difficult to follow and then it's almost impossible to overtake on the straight um and which is why track position is important but yeah w- what are your thoughts do you think uh, you know red bull did all they could or, or could they could they have still you know done better and got in a uh, one to finish this weekend yeah i mean see uh, the 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 undercut would have certainly worked and as as we talked about and as you know other teams did make it work but i think when they were trying to under undercut uh, hamilton when they were planning it uh, sorry perez just came on and said that okay my tires are just getting better and better right so i think the driver feedback gets important when they are planning the strategy and i mean i don't know that that may be the that may be the feedback that led them to you know m- not make that call so and i guess yeah fair enough but uh, in my opinion red bull did corner uh what was you know um a high chance of a one two finish uh this weekend with jago perez um and uh, you know competing with lewis hamilton um and i i th- i think going into the weekend andre seidel said that you know you only have to be a second faster than the car ahead in order to overtake but i think uh, the more important factor was that you still have to be close enough to the car ahead uh, which which checo couldn't manage at any given point of time i think the closest he ever came to lewis hamilton uh, was on the last lap you know going into uh, you know the start finish straight he was like 7 tenths uh, behind lewis hamilton but that was even even that was too far you know too far behind for Chaco to overtake uh, Lewis Hamilton and obviously we know that the Mercedes is a bit faster by itself on the straights uh, which makes it even more harder to overtake uh, you know regardless of the DRS um around around Mexico but regardless you know uh, I think Red Bull had a great finish um the fact that Valtteri Bottas was out of the points uh you know really really helped Red Bull so I I mean oh yeah almost uh, I was about to say this you know Daniel Ricciardo finally helping his previous team uh maybe win a world <laughs> constructors uh, championship out here yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but uh, let's get on to this other issue that happened with red bull this weekend you know the qualifying mishap in q3 and the sunodart <laughs> comments um whose fault was it really vedant who who do you think was at fault and what do you think about um about the comments that christian hana and uh, Helmut Marko made about Sonoda and should Red Bull be thankful to Sonoda after how the weekend really turned out starting for starting from P3 and P4 for Max and Chaco. Yeah. Well that's in hindsight that's pretty straightforward right but uh I think Sonoda did not do any wrong as such you know he maybe made a mistake by not letting them them through 
fast enough as such but i think i mean that that was not a major major mistake as such i guess but especially christian honors comments were uncalled for in my opinion especially you know when when that driver is in your roster when that driver is in your you know junior junior program and in in basically in your family right so i mean you don't expect otto wolf to make such comments about george russell when george russell does not let lewis hamilton by uh, during yellow flag uh, du- during blue flags or something right so i mean i i did not i did not rewatch that incident per se so i can't really make so a basically basically what happened that. was uh, you know uh, i think it was after after the second straight starting turn 3 and 4 i think it was or something like that um or might have been later i don't remember which which turn exactly so basically uh, uh sergio and max were approaching yuki sunoda who had given a tow to his teammate pierre gasly and uh, instead of you know being on track and you know co- you know potentially being in the way of the two red bulls uh sunoda took evasive action and went off track uh, onto the runoff and you know kicked up a lot of dust and uh, that apparently led to you know sergio perez um, getting distracted and going off track too uh, which uh, led to you know max verstappen backing off uh, his flying lap now firstly uh, you know it's hard to say especially after only one sector that uh, you know max verstappen had or did not have you know the pace to beat lewis hamilton's or you know valtteri bottas's um, pole position uh, time but um, I do think you know it's not the first time that a driver has an off or something you know and there's other people on their flying lap so the fact that Sonoda took evasive action and Chaco got um, distracted is really Chaco's I wouldn't say Chaco's fault but I think you know I, it it's not the first time that you know someone else has an off while you're on your flying lap so I think Chaco should have been more uh, focused or whatever you know or Uh, it is i don't think it's really sonoda's fault at all and uh, i think i agree with sonoda when he said he did all he could or he took the best course of action that he could and there were no yellow flags waved before you know b- because sonoda was in control of the car and he was you know going over the tarmac or the runoff tra- tarmac and then over the grass so it it was really uh, the two red bulls who had to take you know take the matter into their own hands and carry on with their lap and not get distracted with what was happening in front of them but you know it happened what happened uh, and obviously but- uh, I mean even more importantly you know uh the Mercedes did set faster lap times in the first run and even when you compare the first sector of those final runs uh I think Valtteri Bottas did better his first sector he set a purple sector in the f- in the final run as well so he uh, was but yeah Valtteri Bottas was like going faster than Max Verstappen as it is So yeah but no, no one ended up being faster because I think the track got hotter and the way the track evolved or the you know it, it the track got hotter and became really hard to manage the tires uh, Yeah no no one improved uh, their one times lap. but Yeah exactly exactly Bottas was improving his his time at that at that point right Yeah and Max and Sergio were uh, like a tenth down on Valtteri Bottas's first run time anyway uh d- during the final run so yeah uh, and obviously you know uh, what what Sergio and Helmut Marko uh, not Sergio sorry uh, what Christian Horner yeah Christian Horner and uh, Helmut Marko said was uncalled for I can understand uh, you know the comments coming from Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen in the heat of the moment uh, but afterwards I think it was a little uncalled for and I think um may- maybe they'll sort it out but I think as as long as France tossed uh, you know is supportive uh, to Yuki Tsunoda I think they'll be fine um nothing more there um you know to to really talk about uh, and I think you know people calling for Helmut Marko and uh, Christian Horner uh 
I mean, whatever they're saying on social media is also a little uncalled for because you know <laughs> things happen. Yeah. They're gonna forget it by the after the end of the season, uh, and you know, uh, I don't think y- y- Yuki. You know, Yuki has a great supporting team. You know, he's got a g- uh, great team behind him, and I think he'll he'll be fine too. But uh, that was the fight for top two, and it's been 20 minutes, and we've been talking about that, and we have the whole grid <laughs> to talk about uh, what a weekend it has been. And you know, people were saying it was boring. Let's talk about Ferrari, Charles Leclerc, and Carlos Sainz finish P5 and P6 and lead McLaren for the first time in a long time by 13.5 points in the constructors' championship with only four rounds to go. Um, I think it was it was the best that they could have asked for. You know, Pierre Gasly was in a class of his own this weekend. So uh, as long as the two Ferraris finished P5, P6, I think that was the m- most they could have taken out uh, from this weekend. You know, da- obviously Daniel Ricciardo had split the two Ferraris during qualifying with uh, Lando Norris's help. But I think there's there's not much more that Ferrari could ask for. What confused me though was the fact that why did Sainz split a second time? W- was it because he was trying to get the fastest lap? Because Sainz was ahead of Charles Leclerc towards the end of the race, right? Uh, and then he ended up finishing behind Charles, uh, so he must have pitted. Or, um, no, or did uh, he have an off or something? No, no, no. So Carlos, uh, Charles Leclerc did like Charles Leclerc gave Sainz the place because Sainz had pitted some 10, 11 laps later yep. to try and get uh, Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly. And I think at the end, they swapped places again so that Leclerc could finish ahead. Oh, okay. I, because yeah, I was, I was really confused. Okay. Yeah. I was really confused <laughs> as to what happened. But uh, it was really uncharacteristic that Charles Leclerc was struggling on the hard tires. Usually, we have seen Carlos struggle in the Ferrari. Uh, you know, with hard tires, uh, you know, to make them last. But it was Charles Leclerc this weekend who was really struggling on the hard com- hard compound tires. Whereas Carlos Sainz had decent pace. I never thought Carlos had enough pace to, you know, challenge Pierre. Um, I mean, it, it seemed uh, when he came out of the pits that he could have challenged Pierre. But uh, once he, you know, started putting the laps in, he wasn't really quick uh, around, around the lap. And, you know, he wasn't gaining on Pierre more than, you know, a tenth or two tenths every lap. Uh, yeah, but so I mean... Just Crucially, like, you know, uh, Charles Leclerc was just a handful of three, four seconds behind Pierre, right? But during that swap, they lost a lot of time. And yeah, I so think Charles that, that caused Charles didn't let Carlos through uh, very easily. Either, you yeah. know, he waited quite a few laps before he let, uh, you know, he, he, he let Carlos through. Uh, but um, it's okay. I mean, uh, I, 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 I don't see a Ferrari overtaking the Al- that Al- Alphatari of Pierre Gasly around. Um, the Mexico City track um, at any given point really you know uh, it was really hard to overtake and uh, I don't think it would have been possible anyway but it would have been nice to you know see some on track action though but regardless um, McLaren disastrous weekend for Daniel Ricciardo after what was a pretty good qualifying from him uh, and uh, but a great recovery drive from Lando Norris to get that solitary point in P10 Um, McLaren really have a task at their hands if they want to finish P3 in the constructors this year don't they Absolutely, they do. I mean, they have been operationally operationally the better team in the first part of the season. But Ferrari's performance have just taken it away from McLaren. And I think, I mean, it's it's going to be a good fight. Don't, don't uh, get me wrong. But I think Ferrari have it in the back because they have a 13.5 point, 13 and a half points lead right now and with only four races to go it's and and the competitiveness of these two teams fundamentally it's going to be very tricky for McLaren to catch back you say that about McLaren but would you say that the same thing about Lewis Hamilton who's trailing Max Verstappen by 19 points right now 
Oh no, I I believe Max Verstappen has already sealed the championship bar any DNF. Wow. Oh bar in, oh, okay, bar any DNF. Okay, we, yeah. we we we'll circle back to that after we after <laughs> we're done going going down this list. Uh we'll, we'll circle back to that. Uh and obviously I got to ask you ask you the question, you know, Max Max or Lewis at the end end of this podcast, but um you know, before we get there, Alpine uh, is now tied with AlphaTauri on points in the constructors championship but are ahead in the championship because of Esteban Ocon's uh win earlier win, in the yeah. season in Hungary. Um you know, both teams are at 106 points. I think it was a great drive from Fernando Alonso to finish P9 this weekend after Alpine didn't really have any pace um you know, at any given point of time and AlphaTauri Oh, fault as weekend for Pierre Gasly, you know, goes to show what the, you know, we, we say this every weekend, we, you know, <laughs> we just repeat ourselves saying that that Alfredi has that pace and finally, you know, Pierre Gasly puts the weekend together and finishes uh, P4, P4 like we've, yeah. we've expected him to do and, you know, what a, what a qualifying performance too from him and uh, Sonora just getting unlucky with that turn one, lap one, turn one incident again. But again, nothing separates these two teams and I think, you know, the balls in Alfredi's court. Uh, they could really finish P5 with the way uh, Alpine has been struggling for pace over the last few weekends. Yeah, definitely. And and I think with... I mean, Yubi Sonoda had a unlucky weekend, as you said. But with his recent form and with the confidence that he has gained over the past, uh, you know, a month and a half, I think Alvatore are in a much stronger position because they have the better calf than, than Alpine as it is. And I mean, I, I would say that for like the entirety of the season, we never expected AlphaTauri and Alpine to be so close in the first place. We always expected yeah. AlphaTauri to be Alpha competing to with uh, McLaren and Ferrari and not with Alpine. Uh, so, you know, this this is not surprising. But yeah, operationally, uh, they haven't been the best team on the grid, which is why they are in the position they are in right now. Absolutely. And I mean, again, so we have the top two constr- in constructors, then we have the next two in constructors, and then we have these two in, con- in the constructors championship. It's going to be a mega, mega four weeks now. Absolutely. And uh, now Aston Martin. Uh, Stroll really winning his weekend in Q1. Uh, you know, that cost him the entire weekend. And then um, the strategy didn't work out for him either. But Sebastian Vettel had... Uh, he he had a good drive, you know. Um, he struggled a little bit on the hard tires towards the end. But finishing P7 in what was... I would say like an unchallenged drive, like he didn't get challenged by any driver for position. He was challenging Antonio Giovinazzi in the uh, opening stages of the race after the turn one, lap, lap one, turn one incident when Giovinazzi was running, uh, you know, in front of Carlos and then um, he got overtaken by Seb, uh, Seb and Carlos or he pitted before Seb could overtake him really. Uh, but yeah, a great drive from Vettel and I think a great, great performance for him to make the strategy work that he was on. Uh, but other than that, not really much to talk about there, uh, about Aston Martin's performance this weekend. They have been lacking pace throughout the entirety of the season. Hopefully, they'll be better next year. Similarly for Williams, uh, I think after what was a great uh, mid-season performance from them, you know, uh, at Austria and Spa, it's been pretty quiet and they lacked pace throughout the weekend too. George Russell uh, capitalized on the lap one turn one incident and he was in the point scoring position, but he could not maintain that uh, given the pace of his car uh, this weekend, which is which is a bit disheartening, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, um, I, w- I was scoring a lot of points in F1 fantasy with George Russell on my team. Uh, so I was kind of kind of sad about that. Uh, but yeah, any, anything from you, Vedan, regarding Aston Martin or Williams, I think they're going to finish where they are, um, and that'll be that. Not yeah, much I, for them for the last four races. Absolutely. I mean, 
Sebastian Vettel with with that P7, I think he backed what six points from this weekend, and I mean that's that's about as much I was expecting from them for the entire entirety of the five races basically. So yeah, I guess they exceeded my expectations, but yeah, it's I mean they are they can't challenge uh, the Alpha Tori and Alpines now because they are way ahead, right? And Williams and Alfa Romeo are quite some margin below. So I think Aston Martin can enjoy themselves and just focus on next year right now. They don't have to fight anymore, basically. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I, I think the surprise of the weekend for me was Alfa Romeo. You know, they had great race pace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially at the turn one, lap one, turn one incident, uh, both uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi found themselves in the points. Uh, and I think Antonio had great race pace, uh, but he struggled to make that strategy work. And I think uh, I, Antonio pitted really early. I think he pitted around lap 13 or 14, something like that, uh, you know, uh, bef- before the 20 lap mark. And I think anyone and everyone who who was on that strategy could not make it work, whether that was um, Daniel Ricciardo, whether that was Valtteri Bottas. Well, they, you know, they had an incidents, obviously, but I think Esteban Ocon also pitted early. Um, and and none of those people could make that strategy work. But Kimi Raikkonen um, finishing P8, scoring points for Alfa Romeo in his uh, in the closing stages of his F1 career. And I I don't know how many more times we're gonna see this happen. Uh, but yeah, that w- that was great. And I th- I thought I thought Antonio Giovinazzi had a great opportunity this weekend. But I think uh, whatever the strategy call was, who or whoever made that strategy call. Uh, really squandered the chances of Alfa Romeo getting a great, great bag of points this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for Kimi to, you know, bow out with a few handful of points, I think it's great. But talking about the two-stop strategy, I think it's pretty interesting, basically, because I think in France, there was a clear, you know, division between teams using a one-stopper and a two-stopper. I may be wrong, it may be some other circuit, but I remember the two-stopper not when there is a clear division, like a bunch of teams using either of them, the two-stopper did not work. The only time the two-stopper has worked is when everyone's on the one-stopper and Mercedes or Red Bull have used a two-stopper. So, I mean, it's an interesting observation. I really don't know a lot about the Formula 1 tyres and, you know, the integrities of the integrity and how those strategies work. But yeah, it's just an observation from my my end. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, uh, you know, um, yeah, but I, I guess everyone suffered on that strategy. However, I think, you know, uh, the takeaway for Alfa Romeo is that they scored some points this weekend and it'll be it'll be nice for the team. Um, Haas, again, not much from them except the fact that Nikita and Mick, again, had like a tussle during qualifying. I think Nikita got overtaken by Mick or something and then uh, he... He complained to his race engineer, and his race engineer basically snubbed him. Uh, and Nikita wasn't wasn't really happy with that. Um, again, I, I even if even if they have a great car next year, you know, even if they have a lower midfield car to challenge the likes of maybe Aston Martin or Alpine, you know, this year, um, I just don't see that uh, duo working at all. And I just don't see uh, you know where will Mick go from there on, uh, given the fact that you know. Alfa Romeo will most likely not have a seat for Mick uh, with the way things are looking. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that Haas team, not 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 just you know the two drivers, but how that Haas team evolves 
uh, over the next three years if you know if there's a change in ownership if there's a change in uh, team principal um, I don't know I mean I'm not a team principal but uh, it's hard to see you know Gunther Steiner having uh, success with with the current team that he is you know commanding uh, or unless there's a you know Gunther Steiner is replaced by someone else uh, it almost seems like a Cyril habitable situation with with the Haas team there uh, with with you know Gunther Steiner at the helm of that particular yeah. particular project yeah I mean it, Haas have formed themselves in a very tricky situation uh, and I think this entire season obviously they have written off but it's I mean in 2016 if you remember they started the F their F1 uh, you know the journey in F1 on a very high note in 2016 and then with the rich energy fiasco and now this season so it's it's pretty pretty strange but I as you said I don't see these two drivers working together because like if next season they are con- contending for points it's going to be a great embarrassment in my opinion because if they can't even cooperate when they are not scoring points how can we expect them to you know respect each other and cooperate when they are scoring points and fighting for points basically so it's going to be a very tricky situation next year even if they get a car good car even if they don't get a good car like yeah. overall you know for yeah. and for the future of the brand as well yeah and, and and i share the same view which is why i think i'm i'm, I'm going to ask this question you know and i think um, not a lot of people are asking this question currently is um does if if gene haas is planning to stay in formula 1 does he need to find a new team principal yeah that's that's a very interesting question i don't have that answer right now i, I mean gunther steiner yeah. has had success but uh after the first year i i don't think he's managed the team very well he couldn't manage kevin magnussen and roman grosjean he is unable to manage uh, nikita mazepin and mick schumacher at the moment um do you think you know uh, like just just your gut feeling what what do you think you know do you think Gun- gunther steiner needs to be replaced in the sport well i mean see he, and and don't forget the fact that you know he's he's done enough to keep the team afloat yeah right that's right see i don't i can't say if he needs to be replaced or not but at the end of the day if they need change and if gene has wants to maintain com- complete control of the company i think they need change they need change in leadership now be it uh, with gunter steiner being replaced altogether or be it you know a change in the structure of how the organization works like mclaren have done in the recent past so something like that might need to happen obviously they relationship with ferrari is a key aspect to it and they have gotten people from ferrari to work for for them now and all these things right so it's it's going to be interesting how gene has does you know does his decision making because i think this year was a write off obviously next year as i said as i have said earlier if they don't get it right next year it is going to be a very tricky tricky time for for haas like it's going to Absolutely. be worse than this year yep yep in a, in, enough about haas anyway uh, i'm <laughs> i, I want to circle back to the question i asked you earlier uh, about uh, max verstappen and lewis hamilton you said 
you know, uh, you have already written off the season to Max Verstappen as long as RB, uh, Red Bull does not have um, reliability issues. Uh, and and I, I kind of agree agree with you there. But uh, given Max Verstappen's uh, luck this uh, this season so far, uh, and you know, Lewis Hamilton's uh, Lu- Lewis Hamilton's propensity to yeah. uh, do the absolutely impossible sometimes uh, <laughs> or, or as some people is, you know just put it put it to his being a, a little too too lucky um, I, I wouldn't write out the season but um, yeah I, I just want to hear more from you about this particular thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean see uh, it's interesting because everyone I talk to says that Hamilton can still win it and Believe me, I I know Hamilton can Hamilton can still win it, but see Max Verstappen has been on an entire different tangent this season, right? Be it the car, be it his performance, I think that number thirty three Red Bull and the driver in it have been phenomenal, because if you if you see Max Verstappen has had a few DNFs. And he still leads the championship by 20 points. Now, that is no mean feat. Absolutely. So, I think that it just comes down, down to that. Even if, you know, even if Mercedes uh, have a better car for the next four races, Max Verstappen, as a driver, I believe is performing better. And his lead itself is substantial enough to hold uh, Lewis Hamilton back. Fair enough, fair enough. But we do want a close championship fight. Uh, absolutely, I, absolutely. I don't know if I wanted to go down to Abu Dhabi, to be honest, because uh, it'll be really hard for me to watch the race, uh, especially <laughs> if I'm all by myself. Uh, but uh, regardless, yeah, it's, it's been pretty crazy so far. And I think both teams have done everything to, you know, give Max and Lewis uh, the chance to, you know, win, win the world championship. Like even this weekend, uh, Max had a damaged rear wing, which was then swapped out with Checo's rear wing. Yeah. And Checo was given the damaged rear wing during qualifying and the race. And, you know, similarly, uh, Valtteri Bottas has made all sorts of um, compromise to allow, you know, Lewis Hamilton uh, to score as many points as possible. But yeah, that's that's really all about this weekend. And I, I, I don't think I need to ask you uh, what, well, I don't think I need to ask you the question anymore, whether you want Max to win or Lewis to win because you've already <laughs> written off uh, the season. So that that's a big L for me, I guess. But yeah, regardless, in other news, uh, there was debate about engine allocation per driver rising due to the number of engine penalties given out this, the, during this weekend. But I think the fact that there were so many engine penalties this weekend made the race even more interesting, you know, with Lando Norris and Lance Stroll trying to come through the field. Um, I think that was uh, a lot more exciting. If And I think the race would have been way more boring if Lando Norris had started up front, maybe... Uh, and not had the, had the pace, you know, compared to the Ferraris and the and the Alfa Tauris. What, but what are your thoughts on uh, the engine allocation? Do you think three engines is enough, especially with uh, F1 pushing 25 races in a couple of years? Or, uh, you know, should they be increasing the number of engine allocations? Because, uh, you know, I think I think the mantra behind, uh, uh, you know, the mantra behind uh, F1 having three engines per driver throughout the season is to, you know, push reliability. Uh, you know, it's, it's just an engineering challenge. Uh, and if if they inc- if they increase the number of engines, you know that uh, the way that uh, you know the way that engineering challenge will come about is in terms of pushing more and more performance out of the engines because uh, you know you're not using them for as long as possible uh, throughout the entirety of the season. 
Yeah, and I think with with the teams pushing performance of their components, I think they're going to be engine penalties regardless of how yeah. many engines, uh, you know, F1 uh, promises the teams uh, for every season. Yeah, I mean, I was coming exactly to that. Even if they, you know, raise the number, raise the limit, even if they give five engines engines for the 23-25 races, I think there's there will still be engine penalties given out even in the middle of the season and uh, throughout the you know second half and that just i mean it is obviously only because they'll try to maximize the performance they'll try to push the engine out as long as they can and just just you know uh stuff like that and because yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah no no debate there for me at least yeah. <laughs> uh oh, and there there was a contract extension announced for the chinese grand prix until 2025 but it is important to remember that f1 will not be visiting china in 2022 so the only time we'll see china again is in 2023 alongside qatar uh, and is that 25 races now because we have next year's uh, we have next year's calendar and qatar is not on next year's calendar and then but next year we have 23 races i think quota races. is quota is uh Quota's contract well, Co- is coming Co- to an end. Yeah, but Quota Quota is also next year's calendar and is still not confirmed, right? So we still have twenty-three races next year, and if all those races stay on the calendar, we'll definitely have twenty-five races in twenty twenty-three. Uh, so that is that is big news. You know, you can see the F one master plan uh, <laughs> coming together, uh, <laughs> uh, and the way it is. Appa- and uh, in in more news, F one news. Apparently, Kevin Magnussen was offered uh, the second Williams seat. Um I'll believe Kevin, you know, there's no reason for him to say otherwise. Uh, uh but you know whatever, doesn't doesn't really matter we're going to see Alex Albon on the grid next year. So uh, yeah. But uh Vedan, this season has been so exciting that we are almost forgetting some of the big headlines from this year, which were all the rage a few months ago, you know, whether that was Kimi's retirement, whether that was George's move to Mercedes and all of these all these headlines have really simmered down in the wake of the championship battle that we are having and that is how exciting F1 really is right now. But the question going into going towards the end of the season is are we going to have a race in Saudi Arabia <laughs> in a month's time? Yeah. I mean see My- Michael Massey was was in uh, Jeddah uh, like last week and I think he said there's still a lot to do in the construction of the Saudi Arabia's uh, like on the on the circuit and with the images that we have seen Uh, that F1 put up in that video, and that the magazines and the websites put up, it's going to be tricky. But I believe if they can get the track complete and if they can get the pits complete, I think they'll have a circuit. So I think the priority will be that the fans can sure you know the Mercedes sit back at home praying for that. I'm pretty sure the Mercedes team <laughs> is praying for uh, yeah. the Saudi circuit to be complete. uh because they want as many races as possible to you know claw back uh the advantage or uh, you know claw back the lead in the drivers championship and you know get an advantage in the constructors championship but um in our own news uh, the F1 fantasy the motorsport betting F1 fantasy uh league has never been closer only 0.5 points separate the top two uh contenders in our fantasy league uh, uh one of them being us obviously and then there's this other other contender um guru datta j uh, who's only 0.5 behind 0.5 points behind us so it's going to be an exciting last four races uh, for us to uh, you know for our fantasy people 
but yeah that's really all regarding f1 from me this weekend uh without the wide um i'm gonna let you take over and uh you know why don't you go over the other motorsport news uh that our fans really should know all right well uh the nascar championship the nascar cup series championship came to a close last weekend and kyle larson won his first championship with hendrick motorsports who extended their record to 14 championships in the nascar cup series and now that is incredible but uh, that's all from nascar i don't watch nascar much but i have that headline uh, but the world endurance championship finale was last year the 8 hours of bahrain and toyota obviously absolutely dominated the event uh, uh the number 8 toyota of boemi brendan hartley and the uh, kuzuki nagijima won the race but my convict uh, kamui kobayashi and jose maria lopez won the championship because they have been exceptional and i want to see that number 7 toyota especially you know my convict and kamui kobayashi win lemo they haven't done so yet then of course the gte fight went down to the absolute wire i think before the final round there was just a f- handful of points separating the two teams ferrari and porsche yeah, of course and uh, porsche motorsport but on the last lap a ferrari hit him porsche and the porsche spun around and that was Ooh. that ferrari's won the championship that was incredible <laughs> I, and porsche did uh, raise a protest against ferrari which was obviously rejected straight away <laughs> and there Mafia. was not i mean that is what happens in multi class racing right you yeah. never know who will hit you and with we have seen gte racing close and we have seen gt racing super close and what a season it has been i mean we 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 see gt racing in general and we we saw how, what happened in dtm earlier in the yeah, year yeah absolutely so, you know, uh, not so, so, not surprising <laughs> at all yeah then team wrt won their lmp2 title after winning in lamo they won both the bahrain races the 6r last uh, last weekend and the 8r this weekend and that's about it from last weekend but World Endurance Championship had their post-season rookie test. There were 18 cars participating, and now there were a lot of big names, rookie names, and there were a lot of current drivers driving uh, for you know just development purposes. But one name, and I mean three names that I want to mention are obviously Sebastian Oeger, the seven-time WRC champion, and he'll most likely become eight time wrc champion this season uh he st- he tested for toyota for whom he races in wrc and he said that he will consider switching to uh, endurance racing if he can get a lmp2 seat because i think he has declared that he won't be racing rally for next season onwards so let's see how that goes ahead uh the richard mill racing team which features obviously an all female lineup uh, gave the testing seat to Jamie Chadwick and Alice Powell the winner and runner up of W series and a french driver Lilou Vodox if i am pronouncing that right i i don't have much clue uh, where she drives and you know where she competes but it's great to see uh, all female 
like another all female crew basically uh, testing and it will be great if they can bring in a second car next season so yeah Absolutely. that's all from the week finale as well from my side thank you vedan for giving us that rundown it has been a long long podcast and i'm sure there's a lot of questions we want to cover uh, but there's only so much time in the day and uh, there's only so much uh, you know uh e- e- even the audience only has so much time yeah. in the day to listen to us uh chat about stuff uh that's only really important to uh us really <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah thank you for joining me once again and thank you for all thank you to all the listeners for uh you know listening to us um talk uh about uh, random stuff basically but yeah thank you and uh, we'll catch you on the next one let's enjoy the season and um i am so excited i, I mean a triple header towards the end of the season is an yeah. absolute dream especially the way the season is going absolutely and you know with brazil next week and the sprint race and the history of sprint races that we have with hamilton verstappen colliding in both the earlier grand prix is going to be incredible Uh, and like like I said uh, last week, <laughs> yeah. there's only one iteration of there's only one result that has not <laughs> happened with with the collisions that happened during a sprint race weekend, which is Hamilton having a DNF. So if that happens, you know Max Verstappen will actually seal the championship <laughs> <laughs> uh, before before the last race of the season. But yeah, once again, thank you, Vedan. Thank you to our audience, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.